Support for Healthcare Americana comes from Freedom HealthWorks. With Freedom HealthWorks, physicians, employers, and patients can thrive in direct care. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com to start your journey into direct care today. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Christopher Habig. Welcome back to another episode of Healthcare Americana podcast, talking to all the innovators and people doing really amazing things in the direct care world. Today's guest, Christy Gupton with Custom Benefits Solution and a fellow podcast host of her own podcast called Healthcare Solutions, which is fun and kind of a first time for us. So big shout out to her listeners out there because we're looking at doing this as a joint podcast episode and a joint release. So Christy, welcome to Healthcare Americana and it's a pleasure for me to be on your uh, Healthcare Solutions as well. Thank you, Chris. It's, this is fun. It's a first for me too. I've mentioned doing dual podcasts with, with other fellow podcasters, but you're the first one to take me up on it. So congratulations to you for being innovative. Not a dubious honor by any means and, and uh, an absolute pleasure to connect because again, I mean, we were talking about doing this for a while and then uh, stars aligned and uh, finally found a time to do it. So hopefully we can put together some type of an interesting episode to keep everybody's attention. And uh, hopefully a lot of the Healthcare Americana subscribers will also put yours on their daily or weekly uh, listening and vice versa. Very good. I welcome them. Now, Christy, and vice you are- versa. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you and I first got connected uh, a couple years ago. You're doing some really cool stuff in the benefits uh, space um, in your state there. So I'll leave it up to you to kind of give us a brief overview of what you're doing and, and really what led you down to this path because you found some inspiration in a uh, uh, kind of an unlikely uh, uh, place as well. Yeah, you know, um, it was indeed, it was another podcast that sort of changed my whole world as a, as a benefits advisor. Um, back in 2016, I heard Dr. Keith Smith interviewed on a, a podcast, and he just opened my eyes to not just direct primary care, but also, you know, cash-based um, free market solutions that made me realize that uh, being part of the status quo was actually hurting people. And I don't want to hurt people. <laughs> I want to help people. So within the year, I had left that status quo world and uh, started a new thing and joined the Health Rosetta. Some people might know about that. Some people might have to Google it. But the Health Rosetta is a, a lot of other like-minded advisors who really just want to do things in an upstanding, transparent way and help their clients spend less money but access better care. And for me, better care was perfectly embodied in direct primary care. In my opinion, there's not a better way to provide health care than in the setting that we call direct primary care. So starting to learn about that and, and experience it for myself and work with other direct primary care doctors in my vicinity, you know, just made me realize we should have been doing this all along. How many times you hear that? You know, this sounds too good to be true. Is this, is this serious? What's the catch? You know, what, what am I missing here? Uh, We hear that a ton and it's like, no doctor, no patient. This is actually, this is real. This is a thing. It's not illegal to not do business with insurance. You can opt out of government programs. You're not forced to do that yet, so we'll hopefully not ever force to be able to, you know, be involved in government programs. 
So I, I love the fact that you're like, you know what, I actually want to help people from the insurance side. And that's a, it's a theme that we spend a lot of time talking about on Healthcare Americana is who do insurance brokers really work for? That's a tough question, right? I'll, I'll let you, you know, kind of jump in here. But my thought is always that when I talk to our benefits people and our insurance agents and they say, Chris, how can we help you the most? And I'm saying, I want the best plans. I want to take care of my people and I need you to save me some money because that's a ton of, it's, a, it's very expensive. And they come back and they say, well, instead of 15% increase, I got you 12%. I'm thinking, what in the world? How is this even possible? Why is this the way it is? Yeah. The fellow advisor that actually recommended me for the Health Rosetta wrote a very interesting op-ed years ago and it was entitled, You Work for Who Pays You? Mm -hmm. And I go back to that concept over and over, sometimes on a daily basis when I remind myself that when you're paid by an insurance company to do your work, you actually work for them. That's who pays you. So if you switch and change that model up and only are paid by your client, then that is who you work for. And I feel the same way about doctors in their practices. And if they are, quote unquote, reimbursed for the care they deliver, which I think is a funny word, right? Um, oh, yeah. If they're reimbursed by an insurance company, yeah, that the, they actually, you know, they think that they're working for their patients, but you cannot help but point out that they're delivering their care, but with the flavor around how they're going to get compensated for this. So they have to adjust or mold or, you know, just change the way they're going to walk down this care path plan with their patient based on how an insurance company is going to reimburse them. I'm not going to say that they're working for an insurance company. That would be rude, but it has to play into what they recommend, what they prescribe, all that sort of thing. And I've experienced that myself. So I want to be lighthearted about, you know, you, you work for who pays you. I, I felt like that was something I needed to be very firm and hard on myself about. But when I turn the mirror around and shine it to physicians just trying to treat patients, I'm, I'm going to be a little more uh, light-handed with it. But it is a factor that they should all consider in their own introspection of how they deliver their care and how they run their practices. They should ask themselves, who do I really work for? And you know, that's the emphasis on the direct pay, direct patient care, direct primary care, direct care, whatever you want to call it. There's nobody, no real term that's sticking out there for the uh, DPC part of it. Or even if we go into specialists, you know, what is that? But again, that direct word is always there, right? And so is care. And it's like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So, and again, another theme we always talk about is that health insurance does not equal medical care, right? So, right. who are your actual right. constituents from a medical standpoint? Who are the people you want to take the best care of? And who are the people you want to keep coming back? Again, you switch incentives from, like you said, insurance-based care, where you're not going to make any money off of healthy people. People talk about, you know, a lot of plans and, and, and tell me if you see this a lot too in the benefits world, but a lot of plans have that free, quote, preventive visit. But if you mention anything mm -hmm. that might be keeping you up at night or any aches or pains, guess what? No longer free. Done. And so right. it's like, well, where is the incentive to keep people healthy from 
an insurance model and from the physician standpoint in that type of a practice. Right. That was one of the dilemmas. You actually mentioned two things there. You mentioned healthcare isn't health insurance, and that's one of the biggest hurdles I have to get over with my clients or my prospects is, is un, you know, breaking that chain between healthcare and health insurance. Because uh, a lot of people, they just can't unbundle those two in their minds, right? And so it's sometimes that is part of the sales cycle that takes the longest. If I can find a prospect that's already figured that out on their own, buddy, oh, Katie, bar the door. But the other thing that you mentioned there is how do we design plans where you still have a plan and, and there is still insurance that's part of it. Like every, you know, self-funded plan has stop loss coverage, generally speaking, 98% of them probably. You, you probably wouldn't go without stop loss unless you had 50,000 employees or whatever, but there's still insurance in a self-funded plan, but I couldn't completely design it the way I wanted to until I found just the right partners. So, you know, you have a third-party administrator that has to be just the right partner that truly understands how to sort of carve out primary care and help make payments to DPC providers and, and an advisor, you know, like myself that can embed that direct uh, relationship into the inner workings of the plan. And then you've got, the speaking of stop-loss, there are certain stop-loss partners who really understand direct primary care and the cost containment strategy mm-hmm. um, that that is. And there are stop loss carriers that just don't get it. <laughs> and they're not incentivized to change. So going back to the concept of incentives, they kind of look at this as like, well, if I save money, if I save my actual client, again, <laughs> in parentheses, if I save them money, don't I lose income? And that's a very real conversation Sometimes. a lot of people have, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Right. Sometimes. And, and so I know that's where you really need to talk about and be transparent with your client or your prospect about how you are paid. Yeah. And so if you go ahead and, and get on the same side of the table with each other, not adversarial to each other, right? You're looking for the same things. You're aiming for the same things. You're trying to accomplish the same things. If you're on the same side of the table and your incentives are aligned and you're transparent about how you're compensated, then really the stars should line up and you should be able to strike an agreement that helps everyone. It's amazing what a little bit of honesty will do, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, you know, people won't begrudge you for making money because you're providing a valuable service. But when you start hiding things, that's when really, that's when people start to get pissed off. They're like, well, wait a minute. Are you telling yeah. me that typical insurance, and, and I just want to make clear, like this is not the way you work. I know that. But typical insurance brokers, I mean, they're taking maybe a quarter of your insurance premium in, in, in commissions. It's like, wait a minute. My costs are going up each yeah. year and you're getting a fat paycheck and a fat bonus because of this? Wait a minute. I'm going to be really upset about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I've had that conversation with, with you know, some of our um, people that Freedom HealthWorks is, is working with to try to, try to kind of change that status quo again. One thing I got to ask you about, because there's certain things that we always harp about on this show, but you always mention access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of a juicy term. It's kind of it's kind of dripping with possibility and, and potential frustration. Uh, we sure. hear about healthcare access as being, I don't know, kind of a politicized term these days um, because that's all the feds want to talk about, right? They talk about healthcare reform, but it's really health insurance reform. 
I hope, you know, they're not fooling too many people there. So give me your take on what is access to healthcare uh, as you see it from your past and then, you know, now and what you've been doing the past few years. I'll just personalize it for you, right? I mean, there's, there's nothing stronger than personal experience. So for the last 20 years, I've been on my husband's health insurance, right? I'm a small business person. The other people that work for me are, let's call them seasoned professionals. They're all over 65. So they don't need a health plan. And so since it was really only me who needed to be covered, it just seemed easier at the time to just be covered on my husband's policy through his employer. But here's what ended up happening more often than not. My kids only get sick on the weekends, apparently. And then when they would get me sick by default, that would only happen on the weekends. So we ended up almost like having a primary care relationship with the urgent care center down the road, right? <laughs> so we, did not, we do not have direct primary care in my town. I've, I, we talked about that before with each other. Mm-hmm. And we're going to fix that someday, Chris. Absolutely. We're ready. <laughs> Um, but anyway, we don't, we don't have that in my town. And so I had been for the last 20 years in a situation where I was experiencing the same things I complain about with access to care, even though I carried around a Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina ID card in my pocket. I mean, that, that is an uh, insurance nonprofit that probably has close to a billion in revenue. I don't know. I don't keep track of them. I couldn't begin to know what their revenue is, but let's just say they're not pinching pennies. Well, they just put Um, record profits on the board this year. (laughs) Exactly. So you would think that with all of that revenue they've got uh, coming in, there would never be a reason why I would have to opt for urgent care or just not go because it's, it's not convenient. There are plenty of barriers to care, right? For some people, barriers are money. For other people, barrier is time. That's certainly my barrier. So mm-hmm. not being able to prioritize my own care because I don't have the, the time or the right platform to go seek it, that is access. That's what you call access under a BUCA plan. You're given um, a PPO directory and expected to just stay in network. But when you do, you try to access this care and you're told, oh, well, I'm sorry, there aren't any appointments on the books for three weeks. We can get you in in three weeks. Or, heaven forbid, if it's a specialist, dermatology is famous for this. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have an open slot for six months. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You know, and so in the Gupton family, we were paying $1,000 a month for family coverage, right? Never mind what my husband's employer was paying for him. Just for me and two healthy boys, $1,000 a month still doesn't get us access to readily available, high quality primary care. So in the world of direct primary care, which by the way, I did finally decide I'd had enough of... Uh, the the BUCA plan that we had, the ID card that we carried around this past open enrollment, which was in May for my husband's employer. And I finally said, I've had enough. And I joined a DPC practice about 40 miles away from me. So it's a little farther away than I care for. But that occurred July 1st. Our, Our relationship officially kicked off July 1st. And so here we sit, September 2020. And I've had no less than 10 patient encounters with my new direct primary care doctor. And only two of them needed to be in person. The rest of it has been handled over the phone and through 
text and FaceTime. So I've had better access to my personal physician on speed dial. Um, that's how I refer to direct primary care, your personal physician on speed dial. Mm -hmm. I've had better access to that doctor than I ever had paying $1,000 a month to Blue Cross of North Carolina for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I love the personal story. And, you know, I do. And one of the fun things about um, being able to do podcasts is you get to tell, you get to, to talk to people about their patient stories. And I, I don't buy it you know, when people say, well, I'm healthy. I never go to the doctor. And I'm like, okay, all right, let's think about that. Um, you know, I'm 33. I got a two month old here and a DPC physician was instrumental uh, all through pregnancy and childbirth for my wife. Uh, we were even in the hospital at the OBs in, in, in the birthing center and I'm texting her DPC physician, like giving her updates and everything because to me, and obviously like I live this life, you know, DPC life every day, but to me, that continuity of care is beyond valuable. I don't want to even get down into, you know, brand loyalty while some people buy Coca-Cola versus Pepsi because that's your preference on it. But just imagine that, you know, if somebody has their own doctor and they want to keep them involved and always go back to that one physician, I mean, they're going to know everything about you. And having lower patient panels obviously helps out build that relationship. But I, I'm thrilled that uh, you found that relationship. And, you know, I'm kind of sitting here smiling about, what some people call utilization numbers and, and talking to that doctor two people, two times in person and then eight times just via text and stuff. But uh, it reminds me of um, a couple episodes ago, we, we had a guest on and he goes, he goes, why the hell do we call this telemedicine anyways? It's not like, you know, I tell people here, we told this story before. It's not like every time you call your accountant, it's called teleaccounting. It's like, you know, you're just having a phone call with your doctor, but it's such right. a novel approach, right? It's such this novel right. thing in healthcare. Like, well, holy crap, I can actually get a doctor on the phone and it's not a phone tree. It's not, uh, hey, That's call right. me back on the weekends, you know, when I'm, I'm uh, sick or after hours and we can't even see anybody or get any help. So <laughs> I always get a laugh you know, let's, that. Exactly. But let's think about those 10 encounters. Say two of them were in person. And I'll tell you that the first one was somewhere close to two hours. The second one was another hour let's face it, that would never happen in fee-for-service. And if it did, that would be especially be coded as a level four visit, right? So you take two level four visits and eight more lower level, you know, whatever they call just a 15-minute appointment where you're just doing a refill on a med or you're just answering a question or you're just fielding a complaint about a sore arm. Those are still billed somewhere, Right. So in direct primary care, and this sort of goes into something else I'm sure we're going to talk about in a few minutes, but let's talk about the claims associated with primary care visits and fee-for-service. If I had still initiated those 10 encounters with my old primary care physician, there's no telling how expensive that would have been for my husband's old health plan. But in, when direct primary care is embedded into a health plan, those are not claims, those dollars, <laughs> they never have to be paid by a claims engine, right? Those visits are just encapsulated and captured and covered by the, the monthly fee, you know, the, the monthly DPC membership fee. So a lot of people argue with me, honestly, and they say, well, if you're, if you're not sick, then DPC is a waste of money. Going, going back to your point, and I'm, 
I'm like, wait a minute, no, that's not the case. Direct primary care actually contains costs in other parts of the health plan because, let's face it, I'd already told you that before I got off of my husband's old health plan, I was in urgent care more often than not. Sure. So when you implement direct primary care, it has an immediate effect on claims. And you're right, the, the word utilization that you mentioned just a few minutes ago, that takes an immediate nosedive. So for any employers that listen to your podcast or my podcast, and they have this opinion that direct primary care is just like some extra fee you have to layer on top of what you're already paying. No, no, let me dispel that myth right now. Direct primary care is the easiest and the very best cost containment strategy. And you should always, as, as often as you can, start with it first. It's well said. And uh, we ran kind of a claims analysis um, for a client of ours. And we found worst case scenario, if, they would have, if this business would have had DPC, they would have saved at least 8% worst case scenario on you know, their health plans and spending. And that includes paying for all the DPC for a few hundred employees. The best case was going 30, 35% savings. And I'm like, holy cow, those are, that's a lot of mm-hmm. full-time employees that are that's being soaked up, that expense is being soaked up in these quote unquote benefits. Are those numbers kind of in line of what you've been saying? Yes, absolutely. When you can do other things like what I did recently with a, a restaurant client, like tie a direct contract to a local independent pharmacy into your relationship with your direct primary care, I got really lucky, and this particular client is in Asheville, North Carolina, and direct primary care is just thriving in that city. I think they have five or six DPC practices, and and we embedded three of them uh, as choices into this health plan. And so the, the workers at this restaurant had three different DPC doctors to choose from. And so we also said, let's go a step further and um, direct contract with a local independent pharmacy. And this was so unique, uh, it did get written up in June in the uh, Journal of Managed Care and Specialty Pharmacy, if anyone cares to Google that. But what would happen, and and this is what we told employees uh, during the open enrollment education meetings, we'd say, uh, I called it the internal feedback loop. I said, if you will always start with direct primary care, they will always send your prescriptions to this pharmacy. And then this pharmacy will turn around and deliver later that day, deliver that prescription uh, to your front door. And so if you will stay inside that internal feedback loop, it will cost you nothing. Right. And um, so that went over wonderfully. I mean, it, it, and, and especially when the whole thing got shut down and they were sequestered you know, to their homes, they could text their DPC doctor and say, I'm about to run out of such and such drug. The doctor could call it in specifically to that local independent. And then a fleet of Priuses that deliver prescriptions around town would, you know, one of them would show up at that employee's door with their prescription later that day. And they never had to get out and expose themselves to any sort of virus possibility. So that turned out to be um, quite a good outcome. That's a game changer, right? Yeah. I want to keep focusing on that what you've seen with the impact of a pandemic on your business or on your clients? I mean, are you still finding a lot of people who are like, hey, I need help? Or was there a pullback from people who didn't want to rock the boat necessarily? What happened, I guess, is, is you know, my question. What's it been like? 
you know, it's kind of been all over the board. I mean, in the true bird's eye view, it's been more of a pullback than anything, but there have been pockets of, of uh, encouragement. So in certain sectors, right, in the um, certain retail operations boomed during the quarantine period, right? Um, hardware stores especially um, mm-hmm. stayed open. And so some of these like mom and pop kind of hardware stores, like, you know, most like Ace Hardwares or things like that are, are franchised and they're locally right. owned. And these groups realized that um, they needed benefits badly <laughs> and they might not have had them before, but their business just boomed during the quarantine. So they had a lot of extra cash flow. And for those kind of really small mom and pops, it devastated some businesses, but it really benefited others. And that was one area where I did see a lot of interesting activity. Now, as far as my book of business, it took a little bit of a hit, like that restaurant employer that I talked about, you know, they had 120 employees on March 18th, and then three employees on March 19th. <laughs> so um, that was uh, that was devastating for a little while, but they are building back and we're still working together. And uh, I hope I'm, I'm walking with them hand in hand as they rebuild and um, get back to their, you know, their pre-COVID status. Um, so it's, it is sort of all over the board and, and you can find silver linings in just about anything, but I do think that one of the eye-opening parts of COVID-19 was shining a light on all of the faults in the uh, fee-for-service primary care system. And so I hate it had to happen, but since it did, I'm not shy about pointing it out. So, Oh, absolutely. I think, I think anyway. a lot of people are approaching this as, hey, gloves are off now. Uh, we're on the ropes. We're scrapping for our lives here as far as you know, survival for the business. Going to more of the larger employer, so not the mom and pop operations, not kind of the small town or localized operations, I would say. Any bigger companies that you were talking to that said, ooh, we don't know where this is going to go. We have to lay off some people, some furloughs. Um, We're not going to look at DPC right now because we're afraid to change up our benefits plans? Yes, absolutely that happened. Um, And as a matter of fact, I lost a client because of those very conversations, because I wanted to lead them down a direct primary care path where they implemented that as an option. And I suppose I scared them because they were just not, and this was a client, right? I was all, they, we were already working together on everything else except their health plan. And so when I you know, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this subject. So when I would give them my real opinion about the way their health plan was structured and how I really felt like they needed uh, a direct care option, they were just not ready to think in those terms. And I think the, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic really had them scared to death and they decided to go in a, a more, I guess, what they considered a more standard direction. And so mm-hmm. I lost a client. So there's, there's, there's transparency for you. I'm, I'm like, a benefits advisor who's willing to admit <laughs> that she loses business from time to time. Yep. That does happen. But you know, it, it, I'm just curious to see if you had any focus groups or anything like that on the, amongst those employees, because I just don't buy this, this kind of thinking that 
I can't switch up my really crappy, confusing benefits right now because I would have a bunch of people gathering with pitchforks. And I'm thinking from a business standpoint, a business owner standpoint, well, people are pissed off about their benefits anyways. It's expensive. They can't use it. They mm-hmm. don't know how to use it. I don't even understand right? how insurance works. Like I said, we got the insurance bill from, uh, from having our beautiful little baby girl. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, I, I live this every day and this is still just gobbledygook to me. So mm-hmm. for an employer to say, you know what, we're not going to go with this DPC arrangement where I am giving my employees and their families a personal physician on speed dial, like you said. Instead, mm-hmm. I'm going to give them a list on some weird website out there that they just need to click and they can't see anybody for three, three weeks and can't text, can't email. I'm thinking, how in the world is this the same version of reality that we're all living in? Yeah. Well, I hate to keep going back to this restaurant client, but there's just so many elements okay. that are very unique with this one. You know, when they shut down and they got down to three employees and they had to stay closed for two months, they started to rehire back in May and then rehired another 50 of their laid off employees back in June. Mm-hmm. Do you know that not a single one of the people they said, will you come back to work said no? They all came back and were ready with loyalty to that employer because, and I, you know, I'm sure it's multifactorial, but I have to believe that one of the reasons they had that employer loyalty is because they had a kick health plan Mm -hmm. that they, you know, remember being so good from, you know, before they were laid off. I remember during the enrollment meetings, we would focus on the positives, right? The positives are, this is your personal physician on speed dial. Um, You have access to them 24 hours a day. You have an app on your phone. All you have to do is tap it and type in what you are needing. And if it's really, really important, it gets triaged and prioritized. If it's something like a prescription refill that's not urgent, it it still gets done, but it's not like meet me at the the ER, you know? (laughs) So when we explain the positives and and everyone comes to the realization oh yeah maybe it is only one doctor instead of a whole directory of doctors but it's better it's always better mm-hmm. so i think the education every investment that you can make into educating your workforce about how much better this is than the status quo is money well spent not a dime of that is, is wasted Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm kind of taking notes as we, as we talk here and I just wrote down in big capital letters, underlined it with the DPC plan. If somebody loses their job, guess what? This is a promise that uh, President Obama made us almost 12 years ago. They can actually keep their doctor. That's right. And they did. While they were laid off, these employees still got to see those doctors. And one, I told you we embedded three DPCs into this same plan. Mm-hmm. One of them even said, you know what? We're not going to charge you. Just keep, just keep coming to us. We're okay. Uh, and, and that's, you know what? When, when people are free to innovate by themselves, free of constraints from contracts, from government oversight, it's amazing how people actually take care of other people and treat them like human beings. And that's something that I always right. get very passionate about and fired up about that, you know, our healthcare system just absolutely dehumanizes patients and physicians. So I don't want to, you know, a lot of people say, well, physicians are earning a ton of money. Uh, you know, they don't have anything to gripe about, but well, yeah, there's, num- there's a reason why they're number one in suicides now and burnout. And a lot of physicians are leaving the profession completely. 
But from a patient standpoint, when somebody walks in and they have a bad diagnosis or some terminal disease, they're not going to really care that the doctor's stressed out. I mean, they should, but that's a different conversation. But our current system dehumanizes everybody involved so well and so effectively that most people just, oh gosh, they just, they just accept it. And I don't, I, I don't understand, I obviously. Uh, <laughs> I got to tell you. People know um, that. Yeah, here's, here's another um, little personal story. I, I hope someone gets a chuckle out of it, but we actually got fired from our pediatrician's office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was last year. So by last May, I had been working with DPC doctors across the Carolinas for about a year. So everything that's wonderful about direct primary care had really gotten into my psyche, right into my DNA. And so when it was time to get some papers signed so that my kids could go to Boy Scout camp uh, the next month, <laughs> and I needed, you know, health history and whatnot signed off on by their pediatrician, first of all, I couldn't get them the paperwork because I don't have a fax machine anymore. Please, this is 2020. Fax machines are so like 1990, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't have a fax machine anymore, and they wouldn't let me email the, the form to them, so I had to drive the thing over there to them. And so the lady at the front desk, and, and trust me, I had been, my children had been a patient in this practice for 13 years. I give her the paperwork and she flips through it and she kind of stacks the papers on her desk to get them in order. She says, okay, that'll be $40. I said, what? That's a little excessive, don't you think? And, and here's the background. I had already filled out all the forms. All the doctor needed to do was look at it and say, oh, yep, that's right. And sign his name. Wow. She wanted me to pay $40. And I sat there in that split second and said to myself, why? Why is that necessary? If I was at a DPC practice, they would fill out a whole stack of forms if that's what I needed as their member. But and in a dehumanizing split second, I snapped, right? <laughs> I, I didn't say anything mean. I didn't curse. I didn't even raise my voice. I just said, that's a little excessive, don't you think? The next, um, so that was a, that, I think that was a, fr a, a Thursday or a Friday, the next week, I got a certified letter dated that very day from the pediatrician saying, we're no longer going to stay as a doctors for your, your boys. Good luck. <laughs> so, you know, just asking a few questions and making the statement, if I was in a DPC practice right now, they would be more than happy to fill out forms for me, you know, without paying a dime. Yeah. And uh, of, of course, that, that statement right there got me some hot water, so I ended up having to... Um, patchwork that but that's okay even my boys have a dpc doctor today so it all works out in the end right see you know <laughs> it, uh, it's a story with a happy ending and yeah it, it just <laughs> it drives me nuts when it's like oh record requests and from traditional physician insurance plans and i'm like this is nuts this is this is my information i should be able to access this and own this anytime i want why are you charging me 40 bucks this is just absolutely ridiculous oh gosh well christy we're uh getting towards the end of our, uh, our episode here. So I, I just wanted to kind of, kind of see if I could summarize that, that, you know, is that kind of a theme of custom benefit solution is that you're really working to put humans 
put that human face, human interaction back into healthcare for your clients? That's right. I'm going to write a book someday, I promise. So if anybody steals my title from me, I'm going to come after you. But I love this <laughs> phrase, solve for the care, right? When you sit down and you're trying to work out the math in a big health plan, if you just solve for the care, it always works out. And the math always takes care of itself, right? So if I had to leave you with a, a, you know, a little saying, that's, that's what it would be. Just solve for the care. And mm-hmm. for the employers out there, I'm, I've sort of adopted a little, um, an, another little quote. All you need is a good advisor and a little courage. Mm-hmm. Because breaking away from the status quo takes courage. I mean, think about it. I'm a person who knew about this, loved the concept, complained that it wasn't you know, readily available to me, but yet I still stayed in the status quo for 20 years, right? Um, well, I only knew about it about three years ago, so let's give me a pass on that. But still, I, I, I probably acted on my own transition to direct primary care a full year after I should have, just because, hey, it's what's already in place, we've already budgeted for it, and it is what it is, right? But I just finally summoned up the courage in May to say enough is enough. We're getting out of this and we're going to try something new. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's another little saying that we can leave each other with. Uh, if you just have a good advisor and a little courage, I think you can uh, solve for the care and win, right? Hey there, we it. came up with a jingle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I know uh, uh, you've been doing a lot of great work for the citizens and, and uh, physicians and companies there in North Carolina, and uh, uh, we'll be out there soon. So we're, we got a lot of people um, who are interested in, in starting up DPC out there. So when those come to fruition, you know, we're going to give you a call and say, hey, let's finally, finally be able to work together professionally here and not just exchange emails and calls every once in a while. So Christy, it's uh, been an absolute pleasure finally getting you on, making it official for the podcast here. So Christy Gupton with Custom Benefits Solution. It is always a pleasure. And, you know, obviously uh, I consider myself a fanboy of all your work and what you're doing out there. So you're, you're one of the few uh, making a difference in healthcare. And so it's always nice to talk to like-minded people because, you know, we're pulling at the same oar and uh, that makes it special. So I appreciate all your work you're doing. Thanks, Chris. It was such a pleasure. I wish you the best. I appreciate that. Healthcare Americana is powered by Freedom HealthWorks, managed by Melissa Turpin, produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. Send us your thoughts at info at healthcareamericana.com. I'm Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. There comes a time when the man of the house must take charge. Family planning is a tough conversation for many. And at Happy Dad Vasectomy, we understand that decision isn't easy. When your family is complete, our no-needle, no-scalpel, no-stitches procedure will give you peace of mind about your family's future. Happy Dad Vasectomy conveniently books appointments within two weeks of calling and has locations in central and northern Indiana. Visit happydadvasectomy.com to learn more. Happy Dad Vasectomy, 
the easiest part of family planning. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.